of Shots Fired Pod. Today we are joined by Emma. Emma is an architect, YouTuber and content creator delivering cozy home and lifestyle advice both in person and online from budget to luxury. Uh, I've worked with her recently for my home which I was super stoked about. Um, She's Emma Caitlin on IG and YouTube. That's C-A-I-T-L-A-I-N. Is that right? (laughs) That's right. Thank you to my parents for the difficult spelling. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thanks for taking the time. I know it's like a crazy season. We're recording this on the day after Boxing Day. So it's like in the midst of Christmas madness. So thank you so much for taking the time amongst it all. Um, How's your Christmas? It was great. I'm um, a little bit in between because my partner is um, here with me in Melbourne and he grew up here. But I grew up in Sydney. Mm -hmm. Then my family kind of moved to Queensland. And now my sister lives in America. So where Christmas is Zoom calls for us mostly. So we're a little bit all over the shop. But um. The modern family. Yeah, but it was great because she's here actually for the first time in three years. So I just met her little boy the other day and um, yeah. lovely. And then I'm flying tomorrow up to Queensland. So our Christmas will be a little bit later this year. (laughs) Yeah, nice. Prolong the excitement, I guess. Yeah, what did you do? Um, We just went to Brisbane with kind of extended family and then they all come up to Noosa, my siblings. So we'll have another week of kind of... Family time, which is nice. Yeah, it is yeah. nice. This little slow time of the year, finally. I don't yeah. know if it's necessarily slow in your industry, but it is in mine, so. It can be, yeah. December and January. Are, I mean, December, early December is pretty busy, um, but generally January is the slowest for photography, in my experience at least. So mm. um, I'm gearing up for another, you know, a little a little vacay time, at yeah. least mentally. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'd love for you to tell everyone a bit about what you do now and kind of how you got into that. Yeah, so a little bit about me. I am an architect, a registered architect here in Victoria. So that's kind of how it works. You slog it out for five years at uni and do your bachelor and your master's and then you still have another two years to go, which I feel like no one knows about for like lawyers and everything. You kind of know that they have to like pass the bar, but as an architect, you also have to get registered. So you go through this kind of logbook experience in your first two years of work, and then you do this big interview and everything. So after that, I just did that ASAP because I just wanted to get it off my plate. So I got registered very young, but that was also really great because it gave me a lot of opportunities that other people couldn't kind of get, you know, because you actually have to be registered to be able to run a project. So I was running projects from when I was 25, whereas a lot of people might not kind of get to that until their thirties when they have a bit more experience. So I feel like it was kind of great because it allows you maybe a little bit more of those opportunities to kind of test and fail because you are a bit younger, so you can kind of get away with it. And yeah, I had like a lot of really good mentors and things in the industry who were like very, very supportive of kind of raising up um, a female, particularly in construction as well, because certainly since I started, it has changed a lot. Like I definitely remember being one of the only females in the office and now it's getting closer to maybe like a, 30, 70, like split, like it's still very far off the kind of evens, but yeah, I think maybe just because it's more of a, like a technical pursuit, like, you know? Yeah. So 
when you when you say that, like there were people eager to mentor you and and kind of bring you up um that's not very common in photography yeah (laughs) there's a lot of there's a lot of like competitive edge you know um is it quite like a nurturing environment like that or is it was that kind of were you in a lucky position uh I definitely think it can be a bit of both I, I feel like that sort of gatekeeping thing can absolutely happen but I feel like it's more once you surpass that sort of early phase of your career like in the early phase there's in a a lot of architecture firms they actually have like grad programs where they will actually fully support you and and get you on each phase of the project so you can kind of learn all of the little bits and pieces and the steps that you need and it's not until I suppose you're like senior and maybe like threatening to sort of climb over that little ledge on the ladder that then people will be a bit a little bit more guarded with the information they sort of share with you but yeah, I think I just found myself gotcha. in a yeah in a lucky position where I had some people who were like, you know, nearing their retirement, and they were like, "Oh, I just want to teach you everything that I know." Oh, that's so good. Mm. I love that. So, is this something you always you know wanted to do, or how did you kind of have the idea to get into architecture? No, I literally had the most random career choices when I was a kid. Like, I wanted to be a rainforest tour guide in the Daintree Rainforest. Uh huh. Very different. I don't know. And my sister, who's now a lawyer, wanted to be a flight attendant. So I think my parents were just like, wow, sure. Okay, wonderful. Like, <laughs> you're going to be like on safari and she'll just be, yeah. <laughs> but then I think it's like in year 10 at school, we had like a graphic design class. And one of the semesters was um, just designing a house. Um, and you had to kind of make it all in 3D. It was kind of very basic, almost like playing The Sims. But I also used to love playing The Sims because I would build these really bougie houses. Oh, I love Sims. I was like burning them into the ground, mm. making them work really hard so they had heaps of money to like <laughs> build a better house. You cannot sleep. <laughs> you know when The Sims like, I'm tired. And I was like, I don't care, go to work, get a better job. Yeah. They get grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, hilarious. Yeah. That, that was me. And then yeah. I sort of... What do you do? I basically play Sims for a living. What? Yeah, essentially. That's what I say to people. I basically just play Sims. Yeah, it's kind of just like getting to play The Sims as an adult, except you're spending other people's money and not using a cheat code. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. So, yeah, it was just a little... Then once you kind of pass that, you know, you finished your education, um, what does it look like in a day-to-day starting out um, as an architect? Um, I mean, there's good, there's pros and cons to every job, right? Like not every task you're going to do is, is enjoyable. And I think that's a little bit of an illusion that some people have about particular industries. Like, I don't know, we might even look at models and be like, oh, that looks great. You just stand there. But you know, the reality is there's a lot of preparation that goes into that. And you know, that's and it's exhausting. Exactly. Like actually standing there for eight hours and needing to be on is, is difficult. And I think in my industry, some of the more, I guess, mundane or like boring tasks is like when you're a grad, especially someone will be like, draw this toilet block. And you're like, wow, <laughs> I don't think uni ever prepared me for the fact that I was just going to be drawing cubicle toilets in a shopping center. But <laughs> so there's, there's sort of bits like that that you're like, God, all right. But the thing that I try and do is like, I try and take enjoyment from like, learning how to do something even if I hate it or it's boring because then I'm like next time I do this I'm now going to be an expert at drawing toilets or drawing stairs or whatever these like you know legal compliance kind of issues are Mm -hmm. in the building so it won't seem like such a giant hurdle of a task because the next time I come back to it I'm like I know everything about this and it's just going to be so much easier that I won't resent it so much um 
So I guess yeah. it's that, you know, balancing like the really fun, creative days, like going out on side and like seeing what you've actually had built, like come to life, which is incredible. You know, seeing something you've just seen on a screen for a year, finally there. And it's like actually a tangible, like real thing. And I guess that kind of makes it all worth it. Cause you do have the fun days where you're like picking samples and looking at furniture and, you know, actually designing the space and it is a very collaborative sort of thing as well because a lot of it is it's kind of just like an endless group assignment in uni except a fun one and not like a horrible one where the team is letting you down but you know everyone's sort of got their little part to play and their expertise to bring and you really do start to realize like how much of a better outcome you get when there are multiple heads involved to like solve a problem and mm. kind of everyone can add their little you know piece of flavor to the building and all of a sudden you get this really amazing cohesive space that's just yeah better outcome for the end user yeah that is massive once you start because again in photography it's not the most like welcoming industry when you start to feel like there's competition around and people kind of don't want to let you in but once you have a community around you of people who you know, you can either work on creative projects together or just like bump ideas around. I have a couple people that I can send like um, edit proofs to and they'll give feedback. And once you have a little group around you that are either working towards the same goal or just like want the best for you creatively and professionally, it makes such a big difference. So that's really mm. cool that you can kind of work in a team like that and, and bounce off each other. Absolutely. I wish we had a bit more of that in the in the photography industry. Yeah. I mean, in saying that as well, I kind of, I understand the competitiveness in all creative industries to an extent because what people are most worried about is like their work being copied. And it's like, you're never, mm. gonna, you're never going to get around that because people are going to take inspiration from your work. But it's just like, how, what percentage of inspiration are you taking? Like, are you essentially ripping off someone's style and their editing and, everything down to a T or are you just saying I really liked that you know the way that they shot on the beach that day or something I'm going to try and emulate that in my own way because we certainly kind of get that in our industry as well you know it's like there there might be a certain beautiful spiral stair you design in someone's house and there's only it's I don't even know who invented the spiral stair but like I'm sure that there's like someone once upon a time that owns the original IP and they're probably the one who should be screaming being like yeah they're sitting there pissed off you know (laughs) whereas like someone else will kind of be like well that's the signature of this firm and it's like but we also do those so everyone's kind of doing it in their own way and it is a variation of but um yeah, I, I yeah. certainly see and it's that. It's a, a matter of how bit. it all comes together as well. Exactly. Yeah. And you've just got There's to definitely a lot of um, copying in photography as well. Um, but again, it comes down to like if someone's copying everything you do, if it's a one off shoot and they copy a styling, take it as a compliment, they really liked it, whatever. If someone's copying every move you make, then I mean, that can be a problem, but also they're only ever going to be one step behind you. So it's not really, it can be annoying, but just treated as background noise it's not really going to be um something that should you know you worry about someone taking over you because if they can't have a creative idea of their own they're not going to get so far exactly that's the thing it's like they're they're not you and they don't offer that same level of service or understanding that that came behind the idea that you're actually presenting like when you do that particular style of design or building it's like you're not delivering the same package I am even if it aesthetically looks similar it's just not the same overall experience for the client so there's just no way that you know it's ever going to be comparable Mm. and like you say I think they're they're sort of always going to be a little bit behind because they just haven't understood 
you know, the assignment in a way, it's like you don't really get it because you're just spending yeah. too much time looking at what everyone else is doing and not focusing on your own self-development. Mm. So, Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, so tell us a little bit about your YouTube and what kind of content you, you create there and how that all started as well. Yeah, <laughs> well, Melbourne, as you might know, had pretty much the longest, literal longest lockdown in the entire world, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd love to yeah. say this in Australia. Yeah, I think it was. It was actually the whole world and it just continued to drag on and on. And I think I was, I'd been with my partner for only like six months at the time. So I was like, thank God we, we, we like made it through because we're both very like, you know, individuals on the same journey. You know, we both have our own lives and our own hobbies and then we come together and kind of, you know, journey together. So we didn't mm-hmm. kind of step on each other's toes too much. And we we're also living separate at the time. So that obviously helps as well. But, um, I, I'm a very outdoors person and you really like literally couldn't go outdoors because you weren't allowed to go far. So it's like, there's only so many times you can walk the same walk before you just lose your mind. So I, um, I was sitting there one day and he's like, why don't you just do like some other hobby? Like you're so creative. Like, you know, you could do absolutely anything like, and he's like, do you ever watch YouTube? And I'm like, no, I haven't watched YouTube since high school. Like, I don't even know if anyone uses that anymore. <laughs> and then I started watching it. They and do. I was like, yeah, I know, I know. But I don't know why in my brain, I just didn't use it. And so then I mm-hmm. started watching a few people and I was like, I, I would love to do this. Like, I can do this. I used to have like a little GoPro that, you know, I would take on all my ski trips and overseas and everything and I thought imagine if I'd started this so long ago because I did so much solo travel when I was single and you know a lot of that kind of content but now I just thought well how could I kind of do a really enjoyable hobby that's going to like fill up my time but then it just kind of became really addictive because I was doing like a lot of DIYs and like home styling and just showing people through my knowledge, I guess, in a much more affordable way than what I would particularly do um, in my day-to-day job of like how to make your house feel more cozy because people were spending more time at home than ever. And I think even now with like that drive for flexibility, people are kind of still wanting to be at home and it's like, well, now you're using your home in a different way than you traditionally were because we were kind of almost treating our homes like hotels before where you would just kind of come and go and it didn't really matter what it looked like or what functionality it served or if it was a little bit annoying. But now if people have like a home office, it's like, well, you can't really just have a desk and an uncomfortable chair. Like we need to have a proper conversation about how you develop that space so that it's going to work for you because you actually are here two to three days a week or potentially full time and you know, they're, even if you've got, you know, kids or something, it's like, well, you can't just have that next to their bedroom where they're going to constantly disrupt you because it's going to affect your productivity and your work. So there's, yeah, there was just kind of a lot more of that stuff that I was getting into and I wanted to be able to share in my own voice because at work when you're working, you know, for someone else, which I'm sure you've done in the past, it's like you can have all the ideas in the world that you want, but you're still having to kind of present them and and sort of convince someone else that that's the right avenue and they're going to then ultimately come in and make the final choice. So you never really get to present your creative idea in the way that you want until you actually own your own show. So that was sort of the idea, I guess. It was like, well, if I ever want to own my own business, then I need to build my own audience. And I also just want to be able to chat to people about design in the way that I feel, you know, comes across best, which is sort of what you do when you catch up with your mates at a house party, but not what I was getting to do professionally. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So once you're starting to create these videos, you're getting a bit of traction there. 
Um, is that how people kind of started to ask you, hey, can you help me with MySpace? Is that how you started your kind of side um, projects, I guess? Yeah, so I've been developing up um, a little business, so I'll have to give you the, the link for that, but it's called We Are Former. And essentially, that is the idea of being able to provide affordable spaces for anybody, because I didn't want people to have to wait until they could afford to get into the property market to be able to feel like they could achieve their dream space, because I myself am renting, so I know I know what it feels mm. like. And, you know, I didn't want to come home to a space that didn't feel like my own, or that I was kind of just throwing some random furniture over there or tiptoeing around. And by having that audience, I, I did find people were in my DMs going, oh, I was thinking of buying this couch. Like, do you think it would match my space? Or I've got this light and like, I don't know. And, and because I can get these kind of like trade discounts in places or I've just got, I guess when you're in that, you have that eye, it's, you've kind of got the vision to be able to be like, oh, I, I would just say, give me a quick video tour of your home and like, I'll send you some suggestions and, I felt like I was kind of doing this quite a lot. And I'm like, why don't I just actually turn this into a, a service? Because so many people can't afford to hire, you know, a designer because at work, like my charge out rate could be, you know, $300 an hour. It's like, that's very much the top 1% of people who are sort of affording to do that for their very, very expensive homes. And it's like, I've also worked on some really fun projects that that had a really strict budget. And it makes it really interesting to say, like, how can I still achieve this? great aesthetic for someone while I'm on a really strict budget where maybe instead mm -hmm. of turning to the high-end stores we're going to Facebook marketplace we're doing some DIYs we're picking up some things from Ikea and like switching them up a bit and it's like all of this is is totally attainable but I think people sort of have that stigma about doing it that way so they feel like oh, I'll just wait and it's like well I mean, I've been renting for almost 10 years. It's like, how long am I supposed to wait for before I give myself that space that I kind of deserve? So, yeah, I know I was always in the mindset of like, I mean, I've lived in so many different places in the States. I lived in a big share house that like the furniture was the furniture. It was finished. It was there. If you wanted something here and there, you could get it. But it was just total classic college house mishmash of random shit. Yep. The couches <laughs> are probably 20 years old, like just totally random stuff. Um, and then moving to Germany, I was like, I had a little studio apartment that I could fit out. Um, but again, it was very budget. So it was like, okay, let's go to Ikea and get everything in one day. And it was nice, but it wasn't like... I feel so comfortable, dream house. Um, came back to Australia and then we had another furnished house where I hated 80% of the stuff. Mm. Kind of filled in the gaps with like very budget things, Target, Kmart, you know, yeah. all of that. <laughs> and these things like looked good initially, like you'd build them and they'd be like, wow, that looks great. And then like three weeks later, it's like, okay, well, this is sagging. This has a like spot on it. This is falling apart. Um, and then this is the first house that we've moved into about six, maybe six to eight weeks ago. It's the first house that I've been like, okay, this is the time. It's not furnished. I can start investing in pieces that are going to stay with me that I love and that Absolutely. are going to make me feel like super happy about where I live. Um, and that's where you came in because I met you at a friend's wedding. Yes. <laughs> and we got chatting. And after I heard what you did, I was like, this is exactly what I need. Because I was just trying to source, you know, furniture pieces at the time. And I was just had no idea like what's going to match. Should I get a matching set? Should I get like two different wood things and then um yeah it all just kind of kind of went from there and we're still waiting for a lot of the things to arrive so we're waiting on the final like reveal I guess yeah. <laughs> but um it just made me so much more confident about what I was putting together so um what would you be what your what 
sorry, what would your advice be um, for someone who's, you know, doesn't really know where to start um, and wants to make investments in pieces that are going to stay with them and aren't going to like fall apart in a few weeks? Um, Because on the outset, it's so overwhelming. It's, there's so much to look for. You know, you think of a budget and you have no idea what your budget should be because you're like, well, how much do these things cost? (laughs) How much is a lot? How much is under like reasonable? You just have no idea. So where do you start? I think the budget thing is an incredibly interesting question because it's like you can find a piece that you like and then another piece that you like. And before you know it, you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars because you just kind of think, well, I've seen that on Instagram and then that looked good. And I kind of like this and you know, I always say a Pinterest board is a really great place to start, but Pinterest can also be really overwhelming if you're not quite sure what you're looking for, because mm-hmm. you can stylistically pick 10 different things and they're, they're all totally different styles. And I understand because I like a lot of different styles as well. You know, it's kind of like one day I love the kind of Byron Boho sort of feel. And then another day I love that really New York minimalistic loft kind of thing. But it's like, how do you put those together? And it's like, well, maybe you don't, like maybe you aren't able mm. to kind of mishmash too many styles I would sort of say at max you could kind of blend two sort of styles together that are going to actually work cohesively in a space but the problem with Mm -hmm. the budget thing is yeah a lot of people when they're not quite sure what they're looking for will just blow their budget totally because they just buy absolutely everything that doesn't match put it all together and then are like well I'm stuck with these things now because they were so expensive that you couldn't possibly get rid of them so I think it's It's definitely about understanding at the bare minimum the proportions of your space because that's another one that's really going to help. It's like if you are in an enormous space, it's like, well, you know, you may not necessarily need to fill up the entire thing. I think a lot of people end up drowning in clutter because they go, oh, but there's a little gap over there. And it's like, but maybe that's nice because it offers you a little bit of visual Mm. relief. It's a bit of additional space in the home. And realistically, if you were to move into a smaller space, you're now going to have this surplus of items and the other one is just deciding on a color palette and that might be a little bit more difficult if you've kind of got you know a few heads in the home but realistically as well there's just like some things that you kind of want in your house like having a little bit of greenery and some plants and things is always going to be a beautiful interior element because it brings that outside in and then you're going to want timeless sort of colors because if you go a base color that's like really bright and popping it's like that's fine if you're a bit more of an eclectic person and you feel that that is just deeply a part of who you are and you're going to roll with that forever you might really love that sort of like 70s style with the like art deco kind of furniture and like a record player in the corner and there's just orange pillows on the lime green couch and that's your thing and that's fantastic but if you're someone who's a little bit more simple and you just want a space that you can kind of carry over to anywhere, then you're really going to want to look at more muted, neutral kind of colors like your grays, your whites, your beiges, because those you can always style the decor elements with and you can swap up, you know, the pillows, the coffee table books, the other little bits and pieces that are around your home to bring those pops of color. But the base items are always going to be able to be transferred over to pretty much anywhere. And that means you can kind of invest in something that is a little bit more expensive in those base pieces and then keep all of your other decor pieces as the more budget items instead. That's one of the things that I really needed to hear because I kept finding myself being like, I'm going to buy these crazy prints and these like wild bed sheets. And then like six months later, I look at them and I'm like, what the fuck did I do that for? <laughs> 
what is this? What is this? Nothing goes. It's too bright. It's not me. Like, ah. Yeah. So I was like really cautious this time around to buy those more minimal, timeless things. And then as you say, you can throw in like the prints. I can swap them in and out. Um, the cushions, I can change that over. But yeah, yeah I really like feel confident now bed, that I've got. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've got really a really nice space now. Um, we do have two roommates and for us, it was, it was pretty easy. Like we get along with them really well. We had very similar styles, um, but we just have different ideas on like what we want to spend on things and what we're actually going to keep with us because, you know, who knows where we're going to end up, where we're going to move, is it going to match the next house, all of that stuff. Um, so we came to a really good um, conclusion between us that like whatever they wanted to keep at the end they would buy and whatever we wanted to keep at the end we would buy instead of trying to like chip in on things and then at the end you know who takes what um so for us I guess we were lucky because we did have that similar style but for people who may be living with others that have a different idea of what they want to invest in or a different like style idea what would your advice be on how to still create a space that you feel really comfortable in and that you still love yeah I think it's sort of almost like, you know, the staple wardrobe. Like I feel like I'm, I need help in that respect because I always find it a little bit difficult to kind of put together things, particularly having moved from like warm climate of Queensland to like freezing cold in Melbourne. And I've got my own kind of taste and obviously everyone else does as well. And it's, first of all, it's a little bit of a foundation of respect for your housemates because it is a shared space and you guys are all coming together. So I think it's that conversation where you actually do sit down together and say what you kind of think is important. Like, is the space going to be really uplifting? Is it going to be cozy? Like, how do you feel about having clutter versus minimal things? Or do you kind of, I don't know, like it's really good to look at what people actually have as well. And I think you and your housemates did this compromising process so well because there was a coffee table from someone that they just loved and they wanted to keep. And that's easy because then it means, well, instead of just being like, no, it's ugly or we don't like it or we're going to get rid of it. It's like, but that's important to that person. So how can we build that space around that item? And then in another space, maybe the, you know, lounge room or the living room or something, there might be a kitchen table that you've picked. And it's like, well, how can we build the pieces around that? And once you sort of lay them out and put them all together, and I sort of did that just with like some photo montaging, or even like I said, if you can just kind of put those spaces aside and have that color palette in mind, you can then quite easily be like, well, instead of buying this dining table, I could probably buy this one because it will match in with that better. And it's just going to mean we don't have that mishmash in the space because you're allowing for everyone to kind of have their little bit of input. But it also does require a little bit of compromise on people to not be too pushy with things that just aren't working, you know, because exactly that's exactly the same for pretty much any project, right? It's like you can't actually have everything in there because it's just not going to work but you can definitely let everyone have a little bit of input so you know maybe it's like you don't get your crazy red throw cushions because they just absolutely don't work in our space but you don't need to chuck them out just pop them in storage for when you know they move into their space and instead you're definitely going to keep their coffee table and you guys all on board with that so yeah it's just clear Mm -hmm. communication between everyone and really making sure you take everyone's um, bits and pieces into mind because you don't want someone to feel a bit of resentment and, and like it's not their space because the last thing you want is for your housemates to feel uncomfortable and then you're feeling great, you know, and they've had to spend money mm. on something that, that they're not really enjoying. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
So how would you go about designing a very small space? Uh, well, I mean, coming from Melbourne, pretty much every space is very small. <laughs> like, I'm so looking forward to going home to my parents' house just to be in, like, this enormous space again. Mm-hmm. But you sort of definitely uh, take it for granted when you've grown up living in a huge house. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was finding myself in a one-bedroom apartment going, uh, well, actually don't have that much space. And it's like, there's a there's a lot of challenges and fun that can come with that. Like, particularly if you look at places like Japan, they have a lot of teeny tiny spaces and people come up with the most incredible storage solutions for how to make that still functional and and working for you so I think it's just about getting smart with some of the storage and things so that you don't feel like stuff is annoying you I always say there's like so many little microaggressions like you know you kick your leg on a couch because it's too big for the space or you might just sort of like open a drawer and everything falls out and it's like that's going to really frustrate you and highlight the fact that it's a small space whereas if you kind of get things like you know in the top of my wardrobe I've got a bunch of crates and because the wardrobe is small I take all of my winter clothes that are bulky and I fold them down and I actually put them away and I think that would be more common in I don't know, maybe somewhere like Canada or America where they have a big swing in the cold climate, but it's still realistic that I'm not going to use a long sleeve top in summer. So why is it still hanging in my Mm -hmm. wardrobe? So there's definitely things like that that you can clear out to give yourself a bit of breathing room. Um, I also have a bed which has drawers underneath it. So yet again, if you don't have room for a chest of drawers, you can look at modifying the pieces of furniture you've got, like getting a bed frame like that that's going to offer you that additional storage like I've now got six extra drawers to put things in and maybe that might even be linen and towels if it's not an overflow of clothing because you mightn't have a linen cupboard as well so there's definitely even clips on the wall like my whole laundry is like a little Ikea showroom in there because I've got all of these things where you can clip the broom onto the wall you clip the mop onto the wall and you know you've got little containers where all the cleaning products go into and it's just about having a bit of fun because even those boring spaces can kind of be really aesthetic as well because like organizing your your pantry your bathroom it just makes everything flow better so you know that every little item has a place and it's not going to overwhelm you and it's like also just applying that one in one out rule where if you're going to buy something new then something's got to go so I think it's that and quite simply the proportion of the space like I always am taking things away instead of adding things like I will look around my apartment right now and be like that doesn't really need to be there like I could absolutely just get rid of that I don't need 20 coffee table books I probably read that book enjoyed it I could donate it or pass it on Or it can just go away in storage if it doesn't fit in this particular space. But trying to have too much all at once is so, so overwhelming. And it definitely Mm -hmm. is what, yeah, it just makes a small space feel smaller. Yeah, I love that. Um, For me, a huge thing, obviously, I have my office at home. um, And a huge thing for me, last Christmas, I actually got all of my stuff um, for my actual home setup. So I got my monitor you know, everything. I had some LED strip lights and all of these things. And once I put that together, like I have my shelving for all the puzzles, products, everything. And it just felt so much more like a space that I come and work in and that I'm proud of and that I'm comfortable in. And it's a space of like productivity. Like I want to be here and I want to work as opposed to before this, I would be working on my laptop on like the kitchen bench or the dining room table, something like that. Um, and it just completely transforms your attitude towards the space and, and how you act in it. So, um, 
how important do you think that is in terms of like just creating a space you love and all the ways that that kind of has a domino effect on other parts in your life? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of what I like to say to a lot of clients up front as well. It's like design is a holistic process. It's really about your overall well-being in the space. And we had this conversation when we started on yours as well. It's like you want to you want to thrive and feel really productive in that space. And it's like you're not going to find that kind of motivation if you're constantly in a space that is uncomfortable, whether that be down to the ergonomics of the chair or the desk or just an overwhelming amount of mess that it's on the I'll get to it later pile. And it's like, well, we need to get to it now because this is your workspace. And even the way that you have, you know, your podcasting mic sitting on your desk, you obviously had the thought that you need to go out and buy a stand because it's not going to work for you otherwise. And which kind of stand? And there's all of those little leading on questions that I think a lot of people throw in the too hard basket. And that's when I would say you can absolutely reach out to a professional for help, but it's also just about almost creating a to-do list for each space where you kind of meticulously work through like, what's my pain point and what's the solution going to be? So if it's an uncomfortable chair, great, let's get rid of this one. Let's go and replace it, figure out a budget for that, save up for it and just do it. And it's taking those little micro actions that are going to ultimately then lead you to have a really beautiful space. And I think you can't fault that functionality and the form of the space is definitely what gets you to be working your best. You know, you can't work in an uncomfortable environment, whether it be too bright, too loud. It's kind of looking at all of those, you know, five senses and considering like, how are these things impacting me? Like, is it even just having like a candle on my desk? And that brings a beautiful scent to the room. And that's going to give me a overwhelmingly kind of calm sense. And it almost is something that anchors you into the space as well. Or is it having like, you know, lo-fi beats playing on Spotify? Like that's my <laughs> default when I was working from home. And it's just this really calming background noise and sort of feels like you're in a little hotel lobby or something while I'm like tapping away. And, you know, there might be the lighting levels. Like we talked about adding some sheer curtains into your home so that you feel not only like that added sense of privacy, but it's also just more filtered light. So you're not kind of, getting that harsh sunlight, which you don't realize at a conscious level, but subconsciously there's many of those things that are kind of aggravating you and like, you know, disrupting your sort of peace when you're just trying to do something. And it's not until you make some of those little shifts and changes that you really start to realize like, wow, that was actually so annoying. And now that I've changed this thing, my whole space is flowing better. And that's sort of the whole journey I want to take people on I guess it's like you can have all of that ease and flow in every single space of your home by just making some of those little tweaks Mm. I hear that so much from photographers who are like they just work off a laptop you know wherever suits in the bed on the table whatever and they're like well it's works fine it's worked fine my entire life like why would I need to invest in a setup and I'm like that's because you don't know what you're missing yeah you really don't and now that I have my big screen if I need it I've got my dual screens with my laptop too like it just totally transforms what I'm able to do um and the time in which it takes me to do it so I'm I'm insanely more productive not only that I have the technical um things that I need but also that the the layout and everything is so inviting and it makes me feel like I'm coming to work on my business it doesn't make me feel like I'm just editing a few photos I took on the table like it, it yeah. really does feel like you are going to work and I, I think that is so important when you do work from home to have 
really clear boundaries of, okay, this room is for working. I do not do any work in my bedroom. Zero. Never. I just don't do it because that room is, it is my little oasis. It's for sleeping. It's, you know, it's should be something that is totally separate in your brain to what you actually do for work. And I feel so strongly about that. Oh, completely. I'm always saying to people, I'm like, I hate to say it, but be less tolerant, like, you know, be less tolerant of the things that are annoying you and go ahead and make those changes. Because even if it is, you know, as simple as like you say, you're sitting on the couch with the laptop editing, like I found myself doing that a bit for YouTube. And I would say not only did it take me longer because I was distracted by like TV or my phone or just like getting a sore back from being in a space that wasn't ergonomically right. And once I set up a proper home office and, you know, a desk and a proper chair and everything, it's like exactly that. I've set aside, I've time blocked an hour where I'm going to edit and there's no distractions. I'm in my workspace and it definitely gives you that feeling. But you can also do this for free. I think a lot of people think you need to rush out and buy new things. And it's like, you absolutely don't like, Sometimes it might be as simple as like changing all of the bits and pieces in your home. Like I know in my last space, if something wasn't working, I would just drag the dining room table around and like move the side <laughs> cabinet somewhere. And my boyfriend would come over and be like, all right. He's <laughs> like, like, what's changed? And it kind of became a bit of a game with us because every time he'd come over and be like, what's new this time? Like, what have you updated now? And I'm like, I haven't purchased anything new. I've quite, I might've purchased like a $2 vase to like go and put on a side shelf. But most of it was actually just reconfiguring the furniture because I just realized like, I don't actually like the couch there or I don't like my desk on that wall or I don't want the TV unit over there actually. And there's so many, we even chatted about this with your bed. It's like, there was a wall that it kind of seemed like it belonged on. And it's like, well, we actually can put it on the other wall. And just because there's not a PowerPoint there doesn't mean there's not a solution. It just means let's go and get a um, power board and we'll put an extension cable behind the bed head and we can kind of leave that somewhere else because you don't want to be stuck kind of having to have something a particular way if it's not your preference or it's not working for you. Just definitely kind mm-hmm. of get your little thinking cap on and just go, I don't want that there anymore, actually. And I'm going to change it around. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. So what would your top, maybe top three um, website stores, something to look on for people who want to start investing in something that's a bit nicer than, you know, your your Kmart Target furniture, um, but that's not going to like break the bank? Yeah, that's a great question. I think... um, In Australia, I should Yeah, in Australia. Australia, Okay. Um, I think that there is one... Well, I mean, Adair's is a great one because that's like a slight step above those stores and they have really on-trend decor. I've got a couple of pieces from there and they were surprisingly good quality. So they're kind of definitely still really in that budget range, but you can absolutely grab some really cool things. They always have sales. They've got memberships where you can get discounts and things as well. And (laughs) we're watching Noah bouncing around. (laughs) Um, Another one is um, Cool Hunter. And that's a really cool um, website where they just look at a whole bunch of different local designers. And although that's a little bit more expensive, it's still not on the ultra high end spectrum, but it's definitely somewhere you can find some really interesting bits and pieces and the other one I have to say is I feel like there is one in every single city and instead of thrift shopping at your local op shop there is in Melbourne particularly there's a place called Glen Waverley Bazaar and it's this absolutely enormous it's like a Bunnings sized warehouse where they just have 
everyone's got little individual stalls and they're all just different things. Like there might be someone with records, there's someone with furniture, there's someone that has home decor and you can kind of go there and grab all of these incredible pieces from your home and they're secondhand as well. So, you know, you're doing a good thing for the environment. It's a little bit more sustainable and upcycled and even when I've been traveling like in the country or up in you know Queensland New South Wales anywhere I feel like you can always find these really massive like bizarre sort of thrift shop places and I think that's also a really good place to start because you don't have to sort of always imagine the item being as it is and it's something really unusual as well like I got my um, bar cart which is this beautiful vintage bar cart from one of those stores and it was $50 and if you bought that you know in I don't know, let's say like Domain or David Jones or somewhere, it probably would have been about four or $500. So yeah, it's one of those That's pieces all- that everyone awesome. always asks me about. And I'm like, you'll never be able yeah. to get it because it was a really <laughs> unique little find. So I think having some yeah. little treasures like that in your home is really fun as well. Yeah, that's great. Also, if you control Facebook Marketplace, it's so hit or miss. And it, yeah. it varies depending <laughs> on where you are. Um, but like I got four farm ha- farmhouse chairs for 40 bucks total so 10 bucks each and I kind of got them as like oh okay we don't have any chairs we just need something to sit on um and now that we have them I actually like kind of like them so we're, we're yeah. hanging on to them for now until like I find that better deal that I can afford and have the budget to get like the dream chairs um but yeah just trolling those those sites as well because you, you just never know what you can find absolutely and I think a lot of people think you have to do it all at once and it's like not even in my large professional projects do we do everything all at once there's often a lot of stages you know you go through stage one two three four and that's because even these big clients with a lot of money they they kind of want to see things go together slowly over time and that's kind of gives a lot of people a bit more of a sense of control about what's happening because in the past if you've just dumped a whole bunch of expensive things in there you might have been a bit burned and you're like oh I don't want to do that again because it was all wrong and I'm just a bit stressed about it and it's like that's fine like let's do it slowly like just add a couple of pieces and like you say those chairs are they're functional they look great you painted them white so they matched in with everything else as well (laughs) and like it doesn't have to be the most beautiful perfect thing because again it's a really unique item in your space and functionally they do what they got to do it's just a chair you know it's like we can deal with that later as long as it's kind of not throwing off the whole space then you definitely don't need to rush out and get all of your dream pieces all at once you can have some placeholder Mm -hmm. items and some permanent items and just sort of slowly get to the point where you drag those out and eventually you're going to come to the point where you're like this is it like that's the final picture of my space but certainly I would Mm -hmm. say to people like don't blow your budget because you need to figure out who you are and what you want first and then go ahead and build the space. Um, Because if you haven't kind of done that exercise, it's kind of like anything in life. Like my opinion five years ago is absolutely not the same as it is today. And it's very much the same with our home as well. If you do it all a little bit too quickly. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So what's kind of next for you in 2023? Um, I have a very exciting photo shoot planned with you. so I'll be flying up to Queensland and we're gonna meet halfway sort of on the Gold Coast Mm -hmm. um and that'll be a bit more branding for my personal stuff with the YouTube and all those bits and pieces just to make a bit more of a professional media kit as I kind of get a bit more into content creation which has ramped up a little bit more recently and that's that's a really fun kind of creative outlet Um, And then it's just mostly what I'm spending my holiday time on is a couple of other projects similar to yours. I've got a few more little clients to work on 
Um, I have a penthouse, which is very fun in Melbourne. That was a friend of a friend. And that it's such a great space. It just, they have no time to spend on it, but it's the perfect space that needs a real makeover on the inside. So I just want to work on my website, get some really professional photos with you and sort of be able to define a bit more what my brand is moving forward so I can develop those offerings and essentially help as many people as I can because I just want everyone to be able to come into the new year and onwards and just feel really at home in their space. Amazing. I love that. Well, thank you so much. I think that's about it for now. Why don't you tell everyone all of the things where they can find you, your Instagram, YouTube again, we are former your website. Tell them all the things. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so Instagram is just Emma Caitlin and on YouTube, it's also Emma Caitlin with the very funny spelling C-A-I-T-L-A-I-N. And if you're wanting to just see your videos, I put up two vlogs on there every single week. There's lots of home advice, day in the life stuff, a little bit of everything in terms of lifestyle content. And if you are also wanting to have some help with your space, then definitely reach out and get in touch either via that platform or on my website and I've got a couple of packages and things that I can help you with all of your styling getting some discounts on your furniture and just creating a really holistic homey kind of space for you as well so that's pretty much everywhere you can find me amazing I love it thank you so much have a wonderful new year's yeah you too and thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today it's been really amazing yeah thank you so much for having me and Looking forward to seeing the final product of your space as well. It'll be really exciting to see it all come together. Me too.